Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Was I completely wrong? Were you wrong with your prediction for this team? Was Scott the guy that knew it all along? They're better than we think, apparently. Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Backcheck Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 126 of Orange and Backcheck. Thank you so much for listening. Well, the team is 2-0-0. I mean, they've done this before. Uh, it feels a little bit different this time is how I can describe it because obviously this team has started 2-0 in the first two seasons under Elaine Vigneault before the disastrous season last year uh, when they lost, I think, in the first game in a shootout, but I digress. So, of the last three or four seasons, we've seen this. We've seen 2-0. and This certainly feels a little bit different. I think they're just better. Like, it just feels like they understand who their coach is, Scott, and they're just diving right in, and they're getting people in the right places like that's really what it comes down to and it's nice to see the execution that we've been barking for for the last three and a half seasons Uh, I've been saying it all summer Uh, they're they're gonna be better than you think you can just from now on you can just call me Hockstradamus so uh I like Hockstradamus so no but seriously I I like that I really like this start I'm not surprised by it I'm really not because you're seeing the Tortorella effect we talked about it a lot during the summer we talked about a lot when they were before the season started. People were counting this team out before the per first puck drop. And with a guy like Torch, that's just not going to happen. And, you know, I've been paying attention to a lot of what Torch is saying lately, and I, and I agree with a lot of it. And I think a lot of it's really on point, and he's doing exactly – there's no sugarcoating with him. Not just the fact that he's blunt, but what he's talking about – you can literally translate on the ice. It's not like, you know, coach speak. He's just being direct as possible. When he's saying, like, you know, we we can't help what's going to happen, you know, all this stuff, but we can we can, we can can help our conditioning, and we can do that, and we can be in better shape. And you, you can see that because they're playing with a lot more energy. And, and I the question comes along to, uh, it, was it conditioning all along? Because it's a, they're, they're yeah. playing with an edge. It's a, they're, they're playing with a much, much, much better edge, and I like the chippiness. Yeah, the ebbs and flows in a game, of course. They're going to have some moments in the season that, you know, they're going to be down and, you know, might be a little streaky here or there. But this is a good start. This is exactly the start this team needed. Uh, and this is this is something to build on. Absolutely, it's something to build on. And let's – I want to go just go back to the the, the – right before the game started against Van, um, the New Jersey Devils. Like, I was bought in listening to this. So this is where we start. 
discharge. Uh, put the groundwork in as far as my identity as a hospital. Okay? We're not wasting any time. We're not going to wait into the season. We're going to start developing it right now. The number one priority in developing that type of identity that we want to develop, it starts with our track. Okay? Starts with our track. One head. Starts with our battles. Okay? One-on-one -on -one battles, our willingness to battle. Okay? Especially defensively. Okay? It starts with blocking shots. It starts with, it's at the blue line. If I'm going to get it, I am not going to let that go back in our end zone. I am going to get that puck out so we can play in the neutral zone. It's not about goals. It's not about assists. It's not about winning and losing. We need to develop a process of an identity of who we are. Wins will take care of themselves. Okay? We're not wasting any time. Game one. Game one in a marathon. We have to start right now and be in that type of team. All the little things, not winning and losing, not the big body checks, all the little things of how hard we're going to be to play against. That's who we're going to be. I'm really anxious to see as far as what we have, as far as the hardness of it. We're not wasting any games. It's game one. We start doing it right now. Okay? Let's be ready to play the right way. Like, that's exactly what Phil, we as a podcast and Flyers fans have been asking for. Don't let the puck go by you to give up the easy goal when you're up a man. And they had a shorthanded goal tonight because of that, thanks to Scott Lawton. Uh, like, it's just these, it's the simple things in, in the game that have gotten completely away from this team. And like you, your point about the, the conditioning of this team, like, they didn't look tired. They, they were down 2 nothing after 1 against Vancouver tonight, and they battled back and they won 3-2 thanks to a shorthanded goal that, that got them back tied. Like it, and, and then Scott Lawton again scored the game-winning goal uh, in the third period. It's just one of these things like it, it's been looked at for so long and it's been ignored for so long. Like he's clearly implementing a system of Get your ass to the puck. Get your ass to the position that we coach you to be in and go from there. Like, the pieces will fall as they may when you're in the right position and you just and you just play hockey. It's like Gordon Bobbe. What is this, a circus? I thought we were playing hockey. It feels like it's been a circus for the last two and a half seasons. Like, that's really what it comes down to. It, yes, it has. And you don't get that inside. The difference between Torts and a guy like AV, AV's more of a wouldn't say soft-spoken, mm -hmm. but he doesn't have that juice. He doesn't tell you exactly what he was looking for, and that was kind of a, a little of his downfall there. With Torts, he's telling him straight up, hey, look, we're going to fight. we got to battle hard. This is starts tonight. He even said in the post-game press conference afterwards that this is a find-away league, and when the Flyers had their, you know, when they were, there were points in the game against the Devils, they were getting backed up, and they were in the second period, and it was like, oh, no, here we go again, but they battled through it. And then they come back and then they win that game and they they push through and score two goals in 21 seconds. And they come back and they 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 win that game after being down one nothing. So it, it just it's a testament to show that sometimes while everybody's saying it's the players, it's the players, sometimes it's it's the right person in the right seat, which is which is John Tortorella. So like Levin Yo was not a fit for this hockey club. John Tortorella is. So like Mike Yo, like no disrespect to him whatsoever. Mike Yo is more of a guy for player development side, not a guy for 
uh, coaching a full season and, and, and establishing that identity that's been missing for so long. Despite how blunt he is as well with the players, like, like we we learned about it sitting in, in in the in the press conference room after games, like he's very outspoken on who played well during a game, and I'm talking about Mike Yo, obviously, but like Tortorella is the same way, but. He is direct with his players. He wants them to, like, I think it was a clip. I think it was the standard. It might have been something random. Like, he goes up to Owen Tippett, who hopefully is back on the ice uh, uh, in a couple of days here when they go on the road. But he goes, you need to tell me who you are. Are you a goal scorer or are you a banger? Like, tell me what you are. Because then I will game plan on how you play this game. Now, for what, as fans, like, obviously I think the, Hope is that he's a goal scorer. You saw him get a goal. I think it was. Did he get a goal on? He got a goal on the oh, last preseason game against. That's the right against the last preseason game that I was there at. Um, yeah, it's one of those things. Wait, you were there and you didn't remember that? I did not. I I, I have a and ter- you do a Flyers podcast. I do. I have a terrible memory. William on this Francis. Kind of stuff. Um, I'm you. But like, it's one of those things where if he has the if he's not second guessing himself on the shot, then he's a goal scorer. But he has that mental hurdle that he has to get over on taking the shot at the right time, not hesitating and not thinking about it. And, and I think that you're, you're, you know, going back to you mentioned Mike Yo, and I, it, like I said, it was no disrespect. That's not a slight to Mike Yo, but there's a difference of looking at it from a team perspective and an individual player perspective. Like you know what I mean? Like, and again, it's different styles. But Torts is saying, I have an identity. I have a vision for this team. And I'm I'm developing it, and he needs guys to know. Okay, like that piece with Owen Tippett. Are you a goal scorer? Or you a banger? Because I got to know as a coach, am I putting you on a top line, top six, you know, or the top nine, or the bottom six? You know what I mean? I got to figure that out and strategic and, and put it away, and play it that way. So um, I, I think the the biggest thing that we've seen so far in two games is that. This team is a Stanley Cup contender. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I had you there. I had you there. I was no, about the, to. The, I was about to shut the, down the podcast about, for two weeks. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're about to cancel the rest of the episodes. Um, no. So with with this here, you're seeing the improvement that you've needed to see, and it's a good foundation to build off of. Now, I'll say this: Stop asking Tortorella about what this team is. He does not know. He's told people so many times. He's told the press. The press has asked that question so many times so far. And it's frustrating when I watch that because I'm like, stop asking that question. Because he knows just as much as you know. Because, yes, you might be in the locker room for exhibition games. You might be in the locker room for the practices. But you're not seeing the team compete on the ice in a regular season game when it actually counts. And now you're starting to see it, and you're starting to see little things that are this the the this the, the games that are last uh, the last two games. You can nitpick, and I will believe it or not. Before we end today, I'll be nitpicking something big. But overall, the key is is that, for instance, they in both games this year they've been down. They have not had the leads to start the game, so that's a big thing. They went down two nothing against the Canucks today, battled back, and then scored in the third and won the damn thing. Like, last year, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, they might have clawed back, but then, you know, you had that back-breaking late goal or some sort of... It's not happening. Because they're conditioned, and they're battling, and they're outworking other teams. So, that that that's such an important thing in building an identity, but that doesn't mean that's their identity. It's been two games. It's been 120 minutes. They have 80 more games to play. 
you're not going to know what this team is till around Christmas. Because look, while we're sitting here happy today, and everybody's glad because the Phillies are heading to the NLCS, the Eagles are going to trounce over Dallas on Sunday night. And also because the Flyers are 2-0 when people aren't expecting to be, everybody's like, oh my God, this is great, blah, blah. There will be a point where this team does take a step back. It's part of the growing process. But it doesn't mean don't start being chicken little and the sky is falling because that's not what the case is. It's part of the growing pains because they're a younger team. Yes, Travis Konecki's got, got three goals on the season already. Okay? He had the same thing in 1920. But at some point, he's going to slump off and people can't panic over that. And, and that's what I'm trying to tell people. This is a good foundation to build. We don't know what this team is yet. We won't know till about Christmas time. But if they do take a step back, it's not the end of the world because it's part of the process. And Tortorella knows that and the and the, and the players know and that. And it's part of the growing process. And like you said about the right person and right seat in terms of Tortorella in the right seat, it's also the players finally being applied into that uh, position of being in the right position and right seat and, and so on. Like... Ivan Provorov looks very good early on. I, we've always questioned his, I don't want to say work ethic, but I guess it it really has come, come down to that over rumors that we've read, rumors we've heard about how he, I know it was featured in, I think, episode three of The Standard, like his dog Drake, his girlfriend, like focus on his personal life, his social media aspect, and just kind of trouncing into... Flyers hockey going. I'm the bet. I'm the one one guy here, defenseman wise, and I just show up and I play my game. And to a certain extent, like that's kind of been the case because he's logged just a ton of minutes. He's obviously above twenty minute average along with uh, Tony D'Angelo, his uh, his his partner this for this season. But I mean, again, it's like the Niskanen effect that we've harped on ever since he retired. Once Niskanen retired, Provov has. Bl- has been looking for that number one. And we saw that for, for four games in success with him and Ryan Ellis, by the way. And I know you want to harp on this. Uh, song. Oh, I'm going to give you this. Yeah, yes. I'm going to give you the rest. Yes. But on opening night, if you did not hear this, boos, boos were, st- were slammed down. And it wasn't a majority. It was a faction of the, of the fan base. But it was still happening at the Wells Fargo Center on Thursday night, Wednesday night, the 14th, whenever that was. Booing Ryan Ellis for not playing a game, more than four games for this team. It is mind-boggling to me, and I know you feel the same way, that we are booing a man that is injured and likely done his hockey career over this injury. It's not mind-boggling to me. It's it's disgusting. Like, there's no way of, like... Every person that booed Ryan Ellis needs to be punched in the fucking face. <laughs> like, if you booed Ryan Ellis, like, thank God I wasn't next to you, because I'd punch you in your fucking mouth. Like, straight up. Like, you wouldn't boo Chris Pronger, right? After he had his concussion thing going on? Like, you wouldn't boo him. You wouldn't boo another player. You wouldn't boo that had a Well, cr- they did boo yeah. Lindros. Well, that's different. That, yes. Okay, they did. Because of what was going on beforehand, okay? And he held out. Ryan Ellis not holding out and not on this team. Like if he was in a different uniform, I could see, okay, yes. Okay. That's the case. Like, it's almost like, you know, let's be real. Like, you know, it's nonsense that people are so simple minded. They don't realize that the guy is injured and literally cannot play. And everybody just thinks he's out collecting a paycheck 
because he doesn't want to play. That's not the situation. You don't boo injured players. And if you do, I'm going to punch you in your goddamn mouth <laughs> because it's ridiculous. It's absurd. It's as as a lot of you know uh, people who have higher standards like to say, it's abhorrent behavior. Abhorrent behavior. That's right. No, I <laughs> agree. It, it, it's one of the just the the underbellies of Philadelphia sports society that like needs to be overshadowed by the early start success by the Philly, uh, by the Flyers, the success of the Phillies, the success of the uh, Eagles right now, and the success of the Union because of the playoffs start for them as well uh, this coming week. So scumbags like that that make this city look yeah bad. exactly I, honestly it's what it is it's those scumbags that's what it is so I agree with you but to to the, to the greater point that I was getting to before we went off on that tangent like when Ivan Provorov clearly has a strong number one now I wasn't sold on Tony D'Angelo he's logged some decent power play minutes he's doing stuff on the power cl- uh, the penalty kill and he is clearly getting shit done with Ivan Provorov. I think they're combined plus seven right now. They had a goal and assist tonight against Vancouver. They had, I think Provorov was a plus four against the Devils the other night, which I feel like hasn't been seen in like a year and a half at least. I'm probably wrong on that, but still, it's been a while. But again, both had two goal, uh, two assists, uh, two points that night. So like they're producing what we want to see from a team that is struggling to find an identity. If the players that have been, that are producing that we've been clamoring for to to start producing under AV are producing under John Tortorella, then everything is going right early on. I'm, again, we're two games in; that slump will happen. And when you're about to make your Florida swing and then work your way up to Nashville, it's probably going to be a tough week coming up when you're making oh, that yeah. tour. Oh yeah. So like that, Absolutely. this is going to be a, a really early and good test for where this team sits. Um. So yeah, like I think it's right players, right seats. I know we talked about you. You touched on TK uh, finally producing and, and scoring three goals this past year, including or past couple games uh, to start, including tonight with two against Vancouver to tie it and uh, take the win. I, I, there's not like I I try and be the counter to how positive you are on this team, but I have nothing to counter with. Like this team just seems like. An excellent start and just kind of rolling with the Philadelphia month of October in sports and just riding the wave and going with it. But, 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 Bill, let's let's not get too excited, okay? Oh, I can't. Like, I, after this podcast, after this episode, I'm going to be like, okay, that was fun. Now I'm down in the dumps and they're going to go, oh, oh, oh. Zero zero and three in in Stop the road trip. Joining forces with the underbelly. All right, like seriously, <laughs> that's the way that thinking is. What I'm saying is that part of the excitement, the reason why everybody's excited of a two and zero start, is nobody really expected it. But it's also because of the juice of being Dallas week, and also because of the juice of the Phillies going to the NLCS. Everybody's just really excited, like, oh my god, they win! It's just it's 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 blowing a lot of proportion. Like, let's be real, they've won two games. <laughs> they've won two games. And, you know, going back and not to go off topic, but you mentioned Tony D'Angelo and towards me is a really good comment the other night that I really, really enjoy because I know exactly what the, where he was coming from. And I'll explain it. He knows that Tony D'Angelo likes to um, to jump into the play. He said he's going to give up chances. There's going to be a couple that are go back in the net, but that's OK because he attacks in the middle of the ice. And like that's a coach saying, yeah, I know he's going to give us some goals. He's got some some of the chances he's going to take on the back of our net, but it's high risk, high reward. That's that's the thing with Tony D'Angelo, and it allows 
Provorov to play his game and not be the guy who has to do everything because he's got a guy who's going to jump in and take those chances. He can take a shot from the point and stay at the point, not have to, not have to carry into the play. He can just drive it from the point and have a rebound there for Wade Allison and a goal. Like, that's... That's it's little things like that that Tony Angelo Tony D'Angelo brings, which is what I've been saying is that now he's got a consistent partner who plays a specific style of hockey that complements him, and it's going to make Provorov better. So that's a huge thing. And the fact that the coach knows, like, hey, look, I know he's going to give up chances. It's okay. I'm good with it. That goes back to what Tortorella always talked about with overcoaching. We tend to, that coaches tend to overcoach guys. They want them to play their system, their style. Fitting a square peg in a round hole. Would you put in Jalen Hurts as a running back? I'm asking an honest no, question. No, obviously like, not. You wouldn't. So why why are you going to take someone who's a quarterback and put him in a, in a running back position? It's the same thing in hockey. Like, why are you going to take a player, take the best asset out of his game? Hey, look, he's going to shoot up the middle. He's going to get down. I'm not going to sit there and say, hey, look, you know, you're giving up a lot of chances. You got to work on your defense, work on your defense. Because... When you do that, then you get Shane Gostaspear, who became lost because you try to turn him to something he's not. And coaches are trying to say, you need to improve this and focus on this. Play to a player's strengths. Like, when TK gets, they TK, you know, they, they learned into the analytics a little bit this summer. And he looked at him and said, hey, look, when you shoot from here, you have a high percentage chance of scoring. Which is why Rip won the other night from the, from the in between the circles and scored. Like, through a player's legs. Last year, I've seen him cut to the middle like that and then just try to make a play to the outside and try to force something rather than playing the game. So that this this is this is this is huge in why this team is going to have success, but it's also going to hurt them at some points because they're trying to figure out that, you know, trying to figure out how they want to play. But again, it goes back to the the overcoaching comments. Tortorella's taken every single player and play him to his strengths. That includes Provorov. That includes Morgan Frost. That includes Travis Konechny. Kevin Hayes. My God, against the against the, the Devils, it's probably some of the best hockey I've ever seen him play. Like, ever seen him play. For, for a team that is missing their true one center uh, in Sean Couturier and a guy that we have harped on as a guy that's kind of uh, like a two, a solid two, can play the can play the one if if need be in the scenario that he is in now, but it's a tough task when we're expect we're not really sure when uh, Kateria is going to come back. He played like a one C on uh, against the Devils, and it was a sight to see. Like it clearly is a season that he's coming off that ugly surgeries, two of them, multiple surgeries, trying to figure out what was wrong with him, and he finally had a full healthy uh, off season. Like I think that, and it, it it probably helps trying to be sensitive about the situation. But like the death of his brother weighed down on him last season, and I'm sure it like was nice to have a, a season where he didn't have that fully on his mind. I don't think it'll ever completely be off of it. But like, and the fact that he's healthy, he can focus on hockey, not focus on just rehabbing. Yeah, that plays a big part in him as well. But just the way he was playing, that pass that he had to connect me for the second goal. Um, was just flat out sick. It was just flat out sick. It was just he had two players pinned along the blue line with him, and he just flipped it to connect and he streaking across the middle. I don't know how he got it off, but he did. It's a great play. I thought he drove in. I thought their forecheck was everything was good. Look, he, 
It, oh, that it's really nice to see that. It's really nice to see that because th they're going to need Hayes to be at the top of his game for them to keep their heads above water until Kateriba gets healthy. And the fact that Farabee's back is really good. It's going to take him a little time, I think, to to find his game because he's he's you know coming back from injury. It will take him time, but you know, hopefully, by the time some of these guys start to cool off, when you get in that lull, the Farabee's starting to take off, and then you have guys complimenting each other, and that that that's exactly the balance you're looking for. Yeah, and I went up. I keep saying that Lawton had the game winning goal. It was obviously TK that had the game winning goal. I'm I'm mixing up where my goals were scored tonight. Um, that's all right because it was it was Lawton, D'Angelo, and Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah, or TDA the was the first game. goal the the to put you up uh, to, yes uh, sorry, two yes. one anyway. But like just to clarify for our listeners, they're probably screaming into our their headphones right now. Going, you idiots! How dare you not know? Anyway, well, I didn't say oh. you did, so just one idiot. Just one idiot. And don't forget, I am Hoxtradamus. Okay, <laughs> all right. I'm getting close to Stanley Cup prediction. Listen, territory if they are here. five and zero or six and zero, depending on when we record on Sunday after before or after the game against who is the. Is that uh San Jose? Yeah, that is San Jose. Um, anyway, uh, if they're five and zero or six and zero by the time you, we record next, then I will only call you Hock Hockstradamus Hockey Hockstradamus Hockstradamus Hockstradamus. Uh, I I think one of the I I the, the, <laughs> a couple of uh before we get to our big announcement, I I really only had a couple of other things to touch on. I think the the biggest off the ice news um besides our announcement that we'll be making. Uh, for this podcast was the announcement of Travis Sanheim. Um, eight years, $50 million, a 6.25 AAV. Uh, they announced this right before the season uh, began about like four or five o'clock right before the puck dropped. I had mixed feelings at the moment. I know you and I uh, discussed uh, when I had a few text exchanges about it. Um, the eight years scares me. Like, it's just the, like, I think it's just a number that you, like, jumps off the page and you're like, whoa, that's, that's a high number for a defenseman that, um, plays well, but is also on a team that we're, we're still unsure of despite the 2 0 start. The more I thought about it, uh, slept on it, like, really, like, tried to break it down. I'm content with it, is how I kind of follow. Like, I get it because of where the market is for defensemen. Sanheim is a really good player on the cusp of a great player. Um, it's good value at 6.25 for sure. Um, my concern is that it is Fletcher that did it because I, I think I've lost a lot of trust in Fletcher despite saying that he, or deciding to hire Torts, Tortorella. Um, I just, I don't know. It's so weird to me because at the end of it, you're tied up with a lot of money in your top four, which I understand in one aspect because defense is the hardest position to solidify in hockey, but I think it can turn ugly at the drop of a hat because I guess uh, my thoughts and just the a the AV the Elaine Vigneault era still stewing there, uh, and you can lump Mike Yo in, but it's not really his fault. But like. Yeah, I think it's just tough for me to wrap around eight years. But at this point, I just kind of am content with it and hope that it will turn out well. I think eight years is just a lot to me. No, I, I think it's a great deal because you got that extra year. You can uh, That's the maximum term limit in the NHL. 
that was get you that's get you to the six point two five AAV. Right. And that gets you but to where the market valued him and he gets his market value. Yeah, but even when this contract's up, this won't be his last NHL contract. He's not old. He's twenty six. So he's thirty you'll have a thirty four year old defenseman. You'll have a guy who's a veteran and probably around that time if you need to tra- trade him, you probably could because the cap will go up, you know, and everything. So you'll you'll have that flexibility there. That's the market. But this is the this is why you'd make that deal. I, I I'm a huge fan of it. I'm I'm a huge fan of the deal, because yes, the market is there for defensive defensemen are the are the cream of the crop. You could not let a guy you've been developing since 2014 go. Okay, listen to the ages of the defensemen. Okay, Tony D'Angelo, 27. Ivan Provorov, 26. Okay, Ristolainen, 28. Travis Sanheim, 26. Nick Sealer, 29. Believe it or not, Nick Sealer's 29 years yeah, old. Yeah, but N- N- Igor, Nick Sealer's not on. a future uh, guy. Oh, I understand that, but you're. Can I finish? My yeah, point, go for please? it. I, but I, 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 I'm thing. just a little annoyed that you lump Nick Sealer into this. But to the I'm going down the list. I know, but my next one is Igor Zamula. Okay, okay, another right, prospect that you're trying to grow, homegrown. Okay, you also have Cam York, who's down right now. Okay, playing well in the that. AHL. I think he had two assists and two goals or something along those not lines uh, in his in the first game. So he's playing well and he's logging minutes. And you got Ronnie Hatter too. The oldest the oldest player on this team is on defense. And that's Justin Braun at 35. Like he's the oldest player on the team. And it's not even close because the closest ones are Cam Atkinson and James JVR, and they're both 33. So my whole point is, is that you have a core of defense here who's still just entering the prime of their careers. I mean, in hockey, really, you don't hit the prime of your careers to your mid-20s until your late-20s. Goaltenders really end your late-20s. Like, 27 is really when you hit your stride. But, like, Tony D'Angelo, 27. Ivan Provorov, 26. These guys are around 25, 26, 27 years old. Rasmus Sterlinen is the oldest regular at 28. And Nick Steele, the reason I threw him in there is because he's not even 30 yet. So they still have a younger defense. So locking him up until he's 34... Really doesn't matter, so I think it's a great deal because he'll be one of the. It's it's only it's not even a million dollar raise per year. He's making five point three five right now, right? So it's 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 a it's not that much of an increase. You're increasing what nine twenty five a year, really? So in order to or nine seventy five a year to to get him or something like that. So it's not it's not that much, and I really think the fact that they've gotten value on that defense. You have Tony D'Angelo at five mil. Ivan Provorov, um, who has that extension. Then you have uh, Ristolainen at four and four million, who signed an extension as well. You have some term back there, so I think it's an absolute great thing that they have. Now, before we go on, because I know you want to get to the big announcement, I know. No, I wanted to actually what? do a quick counter, but go for it, because you might. Oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead no, no, counter. you might counter yourself. You might counter yourself. No, no, no. I was going to move on a different topic. No, because I was just going to say, like, you have this money tied up with these players that, for the. I think we can both say, I would hope, for the last two season and a half, two seasons, have been mediocre to good. Like, they've been fine. Now, they're starting off hot, they're, they and they've played well. Sanheim, Sanheim, I think, surpassed Ivan Provorov towards the end of last season. I think he started to gain a lot of respect in the fans, um, which I was one of them. I thought he did surpass Ivan Provorov as one of the better defensemen for this team. So it made sense. I was in favor of re-signing him. I wasn't in favor of getting him at 
this term in terms of length, the number, the AAV is the AAV, but you had to get to that AAV by giving him that extra year to get him to eight years. So I'm content with it. But for the first two games that we just said, it's a small sample size. They're going to slump in the next couple of weeks, probably this Maybe. week. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. But like, they have been mediocre or decent. Like they've been no better than decent the last couple of years. Specifically, Ivan Provorov, who, like I said, has been struggling to get a top defenseman or a def- top partner. So it's like one of these things where you have a lot of money tied up in somewhat average at the moment or mediocre defensemen. So like, yeah, it's great that they're young, Scott, and I agree with you. But like, if they're mediocre and they're not great. Then you're stuck with them, and you sign them to long term. You can try and trade them. That we like. I think you you brought up in our text messages. But like it, what you always say takes two to tango. If they're mediocre or not playing up to their standard of hockey, no one's gonna want them. So then you're That's stuck with them. That's not true. That's yeah, yes, not it true. is. So, what do you mean? You because like, just because Rasmus so, Ristolainen got a first round draft pick. Yeah, which is ridiculous. That was a mistake on Chuck Fletcher's part. The hell it is. Look, I'm not going through that argument again. No, no, no. That's fine. My point is, is that still a, a guy who was considered terrible in the analytics side, it still is. It fled, uh, received a got traded for a first round draft pick, so you can't say that that won't happen. My 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 point into and you're giving me a damn migraine because you're you're over here saying that oh they've been average for the past couple of years yeah well the team's a, a team has sucked for the past couple of years that's yeah the that should go into the factor of deciding if you're if it's worth keeping average but you're players trying to around. build a team you're trying to build you build from the back to the front you build from the back to the front you build from your goaltender you build your defense then you build your offense that's what you do so now you've got two-thirds of your team built now really just trying to figure out what forwards are going to be here and then this team will be rebuilt and then you'll be you know it's funny that, you know, they've kind of been in this little bit of a rebuild here for the past couple of years in front of our eyes, which haven't seen it, but I'm going to catch flack for this one. This is going to be a hot take. I'm about to drop a hot take that you're not going to like. Oh, boy. Okay. I, okay. I, it is, I, we're I recording see... on 10-15, 2022. <laughs> Scott's first hot take of the 2022-2023 season after two games and two wins. Fire off. I see the aggressive rebuild. I, 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 I see it. I see the aggressive rebuild. So they're saying there's no plan, no plan, no plan. I see how they're doing the aggressive rebuild. It finally makes sense to me. By signing Travis Sanheim to this contract, the aggressive rebuild is that, okay, they've established Carter Hart as their number one. They're going to save money by not putting a veteran back there. By going with Sam Erson right now, not Felix Sandstrom. Going with Sam Erson. Yeah, Sandstrom is hurt. And, and, he's on. Uh, yeah, I don't think who he's knows? on IR. He, he, we'll see. No, but even Tortorella said in the standard that he deserves the backup job. So that'll be interesting when when he's ready and come back. If you're going to move him up and move Erson down or vice versa. However, I see what they meant by aggressive rebuild. They went out and pursued and threw away some picks to get Tony D'Angelo, which has paid off their two games so far. Again, we're just talking about two games here. Aggressive rebuild is also about signing guys. Instead of having to go out and worry about what Travis Sandheim's future is going to be, you know he's going to be here in Philadelphia for the next eight years. Ristolainen's here for the next six years. Pro Rob's here for like quite a long time. Two, I, he only's two years. He's the most. He's the next guy that's probably up on the blue line to get. I have a to con- double check his contract, but I, I know that. Okay, so he's got, but still, he's got a couple seasons left here. So the aggressive retooling is look. 
we know we have things in the cupboard. The aggressive retooling is getting toward around here. Different eyes on it. You built your defense, your goaltending. You built your defense. Now you got to build your offense. And all those things are very. And I really respect Torts. Not to keep going back to him about saying with John Clark last week and saying that Johnny Gaudreau is a nice guy. He's a great player. We're a nice ad, but we don't need that luxury right now. Look, a winner, a winger is a luxury in this league. It is. It would have been great having him here, but it would have been fitting a square peg in a round hole. So. I see it. I see what they're doing here. They're trying to make sure that Katuria can get healthy. When Farabee's back to speed, you're not going to know what you need to fill as far as here and, and getting whatever until your team is completely healthy. So I see what they're trying to do here now. It just took a little while for it to kind of make sense. But the Travis Sanheim signing, it makes more sense now. Because it's like, okay, look, we have resources. We're building from the back to the front. That's the key that you need to look at is that not so much of the word aggressive retool doesn't mean you're going to go out and have a spending spree. It's about investing your money in the right places. And right now, they've solidified their top four for the next few seasons here, which is awesome because that's a huge thing and a huge hole for a lot of teams. And look, let's 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 not compare apples to oranges, but look at the Phillies right now. They added Castellanos and Schwarber this season. And while Schwarber hasn't been playing well, Castellanos has stepped up. But most of the season when Schwarber was carrying the team, Castellanos hasn't played well. Harper, you know, doing his thing. Hoskins stepping up. And, look, all these different things need to happen. It'll happen on this and, and, and over here, too. You'll see that. You'll see different guys are going to show their value at different times and step up when other guys aren't playing that great and stuff. So having this, the way they're constructing this team, I am confident we're getting closer to the finish line of where this team wants to be rather than that we're much further to the finish line than we are to the start of it. I can tell you that right now. I would agree with that. It does feel like this team is f- much farther away than what they were season and a half ago at the beginning of last season beyond that or earlier than that and beyond. Um, Carter Hart, uh, wrap up with this guy. Clearly, um, my evaluation for him two games in is Trying to play catch up, missed the entire preseason with that with that groin strain, whatever it was, muscle muscle injury, whatever it was. He has let in some soft goals, particularly tonight. I think it was the first goal of the game. All uh, four have been soft. He's given up the season, and yet this is us nitpicking because they're playing well. Yeah, but that's what it definitely. Goals have been I, soft. I definitely have noticed. Like we're really nitpicking and not really like overarching issues. And I, okay, and this is comes from, you know, knowing the goaltending position. The first goal was just god awful, and Tortorell said it was a bad goal. The second goal, I'm sitting there like, why are you on your knees when you don't know where the puck is? Okay, so let me explain from a goaltending standpoint. There, on the play, the first goal, it beat him under the arm. I've been saying for three years now that he's got to keep improving that six hole because it's terrible. He keeps giving up goals underneath that damn arm. So. They need to work. He still needs to work on that. Okay. Bad goal. Goal number two against the Devils. Kind of a broken play, but this is where the preseason experience, the preseason practice would have helped that. And it's frustrating to see because he doesn't normally give these types of goals up. And again, I had to stop myself because you're, you're going to talk about the first game of the season. Go into where that play happened, where there's traffic in front of the net and he lost sight of the puck. But instead, and reason why he got scored on is because he went down into a butterfly. He, he tried to slide around and try to, you know, play the position and play the thing. You don't know where the puck's at. 
Stand tall and fight through the screen, dude. You're 6'1". You, you can see over some of these guys. You know, you don't need to be down looking through legs of the puck. Because guess what? If you're on your feet, has a better chance of hitting you if it's going high. And not another chance it's going to hit someone else's leg if it's going low. Frustrating to see that. Because I don't like that. That's not good goaltending. It's not good technique. Which is not Carter Hart's game. Carter Hart's game is all about his technique. Tonight. The first goal, garbage. You cannot, you cannot give up a five-hole goal from the top of the circle. You you just can't do it. You just, you, you can't do it. That's whatever it is. I know it was early in the game, first shot, whatever, it gets through. It happens. You shake it off, move on. You got to stop that shot. The second one, too. It was a pretty play. There was basically a 2-1-0 down low, but he had, did not, he had a terrible angle on it. He did not have a great angle on it. So, it's the reason why I'm nitpicking that is because, and look, Carter Hart stepped up in game one and, and kept him in it in that third period, and he kept the Devils off the board, and he kept him in it tonight, playing very well overall. But the problem I have is that you give up that backbreaker. What's that going to do to the team? That's the test. It's not so much the fact that he's only he's only given up four goals in two games. 2.0 goals against average, save percentage, and you know, probably around like 930, 940, which is great. But what frustrates me, and I get concerned, is that when you give up the certain type of goals, it's not about getting scored on, it's how you get beat. It can deflate a team. That has me a little concerned, because if he's not playing up to the best of his ability, and his technique is off, you have no one else you can rely on. Like, no disrespect to Sam Erson, he has no games of NHL experience. Right, we just so don't it's know a little hard. Of, yeah, it's all a question mark to everyone behind Carter. Bingo, which is why I felt more comfortable with Martin Jones coming back here because if Carter's game wasn't quite where it needed to be, where it wasn't at the beginning of last year, you could ride the Martin Jones train until Carter got his shit figured out, which exactly what happened. Because he did play well last year, if you ask me. That that's that's what concerns me is that you can't you can't have a young goaltender falling off. Yes, Urson will push him, but the question becomes is Urson gonna be reliable if Carter Hart's a little so hopefully it gets fixed up in the next week or two here, and we're not talking about this again. But I'm just saying the first four goals of the season has been given up to her, but they're all stoppable. Technically, if I look at this, I'm looking at that tape saying, man, I kind of shout out to, to both games, and I really have off to a hot start. I think it's a combination of that, but then on the other side, like he's come up big, especially in the third period, making those 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 need to make him saves. Like when. When the like, as we said, the third period was one of the worst experiences that the Flyers have had in a long time. Just like the second period was uh, last season, this team, because of Torts' conditioning uh, regimen, they don't look tired. They don't look panicked when it comes to late goals, uh, just a goal in general, whatever the case may be. And for Carter, he's just like getting the body where he needs to be. He's just kind of making the save. Like he's not. It's not super technical. It's not super clean. It's just kind of, hey, I'm going to make this save as long as I can make this save. And the technique that I should have had uh, t- tuned up in the preseason that I obviously missed because of recovering from this uh, injury, I got to tune it up in the in the first couple of weeks in this season. So you're right. It's going to be tough because he's going to let in, let in some really soft goals early on like he has. But again, like you said, he's a 2.0 goals against average early on in the first two games. He's going to... He's gonna see action in a couple of weeks in or a couple of days against Tampa and Florida and then um, Nashville. I, I, 
it's going to be good because he, he needs to be put. If you look at me from where he's at in his career, he needs to be pushed a little bit. And the fact that Sam Arson behind him pushing is a younger guy who's eager is a good thing. It's just there's, I should say, a veteran is more of a crutch and, and like a, a more of a comfort comfort zone. I will say, I, I though, say. this is kind of one of those things where you don't have many expectations. I know you we you if you listen to last week's episode, you anticipate this team to make the playoffs. I do. But if the vast majority, including myself, don't expect that, this is the season to actually push him through a younger guy because there's no expectations of making the playoffs. It's why you can save that cap space and push it somewhere else outside of instead of signing a guy like Martin Jones that you could have probably brought back. I think he would have come back on on another one-year deal if the money was right. But credit where credit was due in terms of Chuck Fletcher's uh, decision-making, he said, no, I'm going to I'm gonna push Carter through a different mechanism, through younger guys like Sandstrom and Urson, and see what happens. Ivan Fedotov was the A plan. Yeah, Fedotov that's true, too. I mean, Fedotov yeah. was the plan so, until Russia and yeah. Putin stepped in with their crime wars, and now uh, Fedotov is somewhere in Crimea. Like, I don't even know. No one knows where he is. That's the problem. Or maybe Charlie or someone knows, or Anthony knows where they are. Anyway, uh, okay. <laughs> I've been waiting for this. It's been a busy week here at Orange and Backcheck behind the scenes. We are ecstatic. We signed the paperwork 10 minutes before we recorded this episode, and we sent it off to him. We, the Orange and Backcheck podcast, are official members of the Hockey Podcast Network. What does that mean for you? In terms of the quality of the content, nothing. It is still going to be the same good stuff that you get week in and week out during the season. We are still that same podcast. What it does mean is better quality content. You're still getting Scott and I. You're still getting the same breakdowns and rational takes for this hockey club. You're still getting rational. We're emphasized on rational. (laughs) We are going to hopefully, the plan is to expand our content, bring on more guests, more expert opinion, bring on away fan analysis, or excuse me, away team analysis on trying to break down the big opponent of each week. That is the goal for this podcast now, members of the Hockey Podcast Network. We're going to be bringing you everything that you have gotten from us since day one from that we've pride, prided ourselves on. We are ecstatic to start joining and start going. It's going to start as early as next week, and we cannot wait to bring that, that content to you. So, Thank you, listeners. You are the reason we can do have this opportunity. We're very ecstatic. We are planning. Obviously, we were not at the game uh, for the Devils and the, and, the, and the Canucks this week, but we are planning on Sunday against the San Jose Sharks a week from today or a week from tomorrow, depending on when you're listening. Uh, less than a week, depending on, when, again, when you're listening. That is the hope. That That is something that we are priding ourselves on, and we cannot wait. Hockey Podcast Network is only going to expand that coverage for us. And again, it's going to be awesome. So glad. So glad we can do this. It's awesome, man. Uh, You know, the fact that, and and people should know, this is something that landed on our laps, which, you know, to put that out there, this is not something that we expected at the same time. But over the past couple weeks, we've been in contact with the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, It came up as an opportunity and we think it's going to be really beneficial, not just for uh, you, the listeners, but it's going to be beneficial for the podcast as well. So we're really looking forward to see what's happening in the store. I'm, I'm just as pumped as you are, Bill. Yeah, 
This is going to be awesome. All right. That is going to do it. Episode 126 of Orange and Backcheck. The undefeated Philadelphia Flyers at the time of this recording. 2-0-0. Who would have thought? Six points. Top of the East. If they ended the season now, they're the one seed. I mean, that's... that's the, They'd be tied with Pittsburgh for the one seed. All right. You know, it's the one seed. Pittsburgh has four more goals in the season through two games. Okay, but that's so not really right tied. because they started playing against Arizona. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah. I think Arizona's going to be the worst team in the in league that by college, far this year. In that AAU college size. Yeah, they're on the road for like three weeks, too, like the honors were last season. It's ridiculous. Pittsburgh or the, the being No, uh, the, Arizona. The, the, the Arizona. That might be because they're still building that arena. That's my guess. But Get hockey out of the desert, please. I'd rather see it in Atlanta. Atlanta. Bring At back least the, the Thrashers had a cool... I mean, don't get me wrong, the Kachin is pretty awesome, but... Can we get like the Atlanta Coyotes or something like that? Yeah, bring them back. Or Houston. Houston's another big market. Like, come on, NHL, okay? This is the third time you're doing this. It ain't working out. All right. Thank you so much for listening. As always, rate the podcast five stars on the respective podcast network that you are listening to this on. Thank you so much. Orangeandbackchick at gmail.com if you have a question, want to comment about us. Whatever it may be, we want to thank you again for bringing us the Hockey Podcast Network that we get started next week. Um, at Obackcheck on Pod on Twitter, at Obackcheck Podcast on Instagram. Make sure you're following us, and we'll talk to you next time. Oxtradamus says, "Give me the Stanley Cup." After two games. <laughs>